My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. I pour concrete. I don't focus on appraisals. That's what Eric Trump said. <laughs> Could he be found guilty of perjury, Marion, if it's found that he has never poured concrete at any point in his life? And not only that, he doesn't know what a shovel looks like. Well, I mean, sometimes he looks as if he just got a shovel to the face. He has that sort of stunned, bewildered expression. So maybe he has come in contact with that, with the business end of a shovel. Uh, But this court case, uh, you know, just when you think the Trumps cannot get any crazier and cannot get any more made for farce and made for satire. They, they just amaze you again. Yeah, so he's the guy who, who pours concrete. Now, le- let's leave aside that the last time the Trumps actually built a building was, I think, about 18 years ago. So we'll just, you know, we'll right. just leave that aside. I think it was something in Chicago <laughs> that they made. But, you know, he's sitting there presenting himself as Bob the Builder, you know, with, with the yellow hard hat and the tool belt and the, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a regular. And it's amazing the Trump guys do this. And they got it from, the, you know, they, they didn't lick it off the stones, as we say in Ireland. Um, this is how Trump has really captivated the whole of working class white blue collar America, that he does this thing. I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a regular guy, you know, who happens to own a plane and a gold, you know, bathroom mm-hmm. and whatever else. But he convinces them that if they were rich, if they got won the lottery, they'd be just like him. It would be the same kind of, yeah. you know, they, they would all hang out together, basically. So the, the, this, um, it's been a really straight, this trial has been going on for a month now. And of course, everyone wants to get to the top billings. It's been pretty slow and turgid for a lot of the time. But today in the courtroom, by that I mean Thursday, it was just mean. There was, you know, apart from Trump saying that, you know, I can't, what would I know about signing documents? I just pour concrete, etc. And uh, Don Jr., like there were nasty exchanges with the lawyers. And one in particular, they Trump has a lawyer called Christopher Kyes. He's a very well-regarded lawyer down in Florida, smart guy. And Trump had to pay him a massive, I have heard from several people, like multi-million dollar retainer just to get him into the courtroom. But he's a guy who knows his way around the courtroom. And to see him today sniggering at the judge and saying, oh, maybe you want to ask your clerk how to answer that. You know, again, they have, the Trumps have this running weird, 
a gag is too is inappropriate, but this running sneer about the the clerk about about um, Arthur Engelman's clerk, this trial judge, who's a very civil, you know, mild mannered trial judge, and and she sits to his right, and she you know she passed some notes and legal notes or whatever, and that is her job. That's what clerks do in America. We don't have an equivalent in the Irish court system, but they're there. They're the researchers. They're the people who will you know, check something in real time for a judge or pull up a statute or whatever it is that he needs. And uh, anyway, Trump a couple of weeks ago, and this is what landed him, the gag order said, implied she was having, she was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. Chuck Schumer is the Democratic um, Senate majority leader. And, you know, so there's, it's all in this kind of, grist to the mill that this is all a political thing and you're all in it together against us and the judge and the attorney general and even the court clerk damn it and everybody you're all out to get us so when chris kyes came out and made that snide remark the judge really did get angry and deservedly so and said he would consider including the 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 lawyers in his gag order if this you know happened again and said i you know i'm warning you do not talk about my staff like it's i've Charles, i've been in god knows many courtrooms at various different cases lawyers act up and act out from time to time but not like that they don't have pops at staff personnel you know and let me ask you another question with your experience in this end of things this isn't a trial per se is it not to figure out exactly how much they owe rather yeah. than yeah. whether they're guilty or not so I'm, aren't they wise to not piss off this judge you would think that wouldn't you you would think that now <laughs> this is the guy who's going to decide if we have to pay five million or a hundred million or 250 million in fines or in in um disgorgements as they say uh, so you know he's already told us we're guilty he's already told us it's all over bar the shouting the only thing that has to be settled is whether or not we will lose our licenses to run right. businesses in new york and whether or not we'll pay as I said, 100 million versus 250 million. You would think on that basis alone, they might want to keep him sweet. But I think they see a bigger value here in the Trump electoral bigger picture in getting yeah, the, the electoral pantomime. all riled up and that then they probably have calculated people will send in funding, that this will be a fundraising tool that if you're sitting in West Virginia or Idaho or Arizona or Texas, you're going to be looking at this case and you're going to be going, see, there go those damn liberal judges again, you know, going after Donald Trump and that it might, you know, prompt you to send another 20 or 50 or $100 to Donald Trump, you know, and and his cause. Mm. So I think that they see it as fitting into the bigger jigsaw of all these different pieces of persecution of Donald Trump and that when when the electorate sees it as a whole, it might go, oh my God. But what the electorate is seeing at the moment, I have to say, is what we're all seeing is these two prats. And I'm sorry. And, you know, there, there was, of course, the late night comics are having a field day with this, but Jimmy Kimmel did have a line that I did like, and I'm going to rob it and repeat it, but I'm crediting him with it, where he said, oh yes, the most likable pair of brothers to appear in a courtroom <laughs> since the Menendez <laughs> he also had a great line that, uh, that he said he said Eric is as much of a builder as the builder in the village people. Oh, that's <laughs> right. He knows as much like construction as the guy. He owns and, a hat. <laughs> but you know, this is really like apart from the photo ops where you've seen the Trump brothers looking even more gormless in their yellow plastic hats than without them. Uh, you, you know these guys, they but again, and you know, I was had a thing, I think I told you for from North Dakota it was a, a, a pipe fitters thing where Donald Trump turns up and he goes, yeah, look at me, you know, I'm the son of a New York billionaire and, and, and I can talk to you guys. 
you know, wow. they're, wow. there's they're absolutely their egos and arrogance. And of course, Trump Jr., who has never seen a camera, he is such a chip off the old block. And angrier and more. Eric, before we leave Eric, right? We won't. This, we won't, we won't this line that he said a bunch of times: "I pour concrete." Yeah. Sure. What would I know about? Exactly. What would I know about finances and yeah. these documents? Sure, what would I know about these documents that I personally signed? Uh, yes, he, exactly. You know, the, I sometimes when, I'm sure you've had this too, when you hear somebody being interviewed or cross-examined and you think, well, the obvious follow-up question is, surely when he says, I pour concrete, <laughs> and everybody in the room knows you don't even know what concrete is. Surely someone's going to say, how do you do that? Tell us how you do that. Because his attitude towards concrete is the exact same as his attitude towards accountants. I pay somebody else to do that. So yeah. therefore, I'm never liable for anything, even though I'm the one instructing people to do things. And this is the huge paradox, of course, where you had him, as you say, saying that, that what would I know? I'm not a numbers guy. But in fact, first of all, to directly contradict that, there was the appraiser from a company called Kushner and Wakefield who did the appraisals for Seven Springs, which is one that they're particularly nailing on Eric Trump. Now, Seven Springs is an estate country club thing up in upstate New York that they bought back in the 1990s. Now, astonishingly, it is perhaps the only piece of property in the whole of New York ever in the history of New York that has lost 90% of its value, if you are to believe the Trumps. Wow. Now, I did own an apartment in New York once, Charles, and I will come clean. I thought I was the only person in New York who sold a New York property at a loss. Apparently, I'm not. Apparently, the Trumps are also... How did you do that, Marianne? Yeah, well, exactly. So <laughs> another I, I story, another podcast there. Story. But, uh, but so when I hear Do Eric Trump saying that, oh, yeah, this property is now only worth 10% of what it was originally worth. And we're supposed to believe that and not that, well, maybe you inflated its worth by 90% or, you know, like that, maybe that you claimed it was worth 10 times what it's actually worth, which seems a lot closer to the truth. And then the other thing as well, where they were saying, you know, of course, Trump's the, the, the big one with Trump is that he claimed his triplex in, in Manhattan was 30,000 square feet when it's just under 11,000. So he basically said it was almost three times bigger than it was. And so when Don Jr. is asked about that, he said, well, you know, we pay the accountants. That's what we pay the millions for. That's their job. But did they pay an accountant to go in with a measuring tape? you know, and measure Trump's apartment. I don't think so. The no. whole point of these, what Donald Trump Jr. described as cover your ass, you know, um, financial statements is they cover the ass of the accountants, not the Trumps. So he's getting that a bit wrong because he signs off on it to say that all these figures are true. And then he gives it to the accountants, to Mazars or whoever they were working with. And then they get and go, okay, so Donnie Jr. here is telling us that apartment is 30,000 square feet. It's not actually our job to go around and measure it wall to wall. Uh, so we'll mm -hmm. take his word for it because he has signed off on a legal document. But exactly. and we, all, we all know that legal yeah. document. Yeah. We all sign those legal documents we all do. the time. We do. Even when you're getting a, you know, an insurance from whoever, they yeah. say, uh, do you do you agree that all of the information provided is, is true to your knowledge? Yeah. And, you know, so for Trump to say, well, I can sign that and not have a frigging clue what I'm signing because I'm paying the accountants. It's literally ass before cart. You know what I mean? And mm. and it's it's so stupid. But then he came out. I've got, you know, I've spent 
far too much time in Donald Trump Jr.'s company. And there is peculiar <laughs> fascination with him because he is so appalling. He's such an obnoxious human being. So, And he, he has this little bantam strut. He's quite a bit smaller than his father or his brother, or both his brothers, in fact. And, you know, and he does, he compensates with this little bantam strut and the sort of jutting chin. And he is like a pint-sized Trump and he has all the mannerisms and all the the shrug of the shoulders and the flicking out of the hands and all this kind of thing that he loves to do. So he's outside the court and he goes, oh, you know, only in America could this happen that, you know, a business that logic can't prevent. Like, just bluff and nonsense and bluff and nonsense. And it's kind of fascinating to see. But of course, the big, the big marquee billing is going to be the, the, the brothers are only ever the warm up act for anything in Trump world. You know, the marquee <laughs> billing is going to be next week when Trump senior is scheduled to take the stand on Monday and Ivanka, unless her appeal succeeds, which I doubt very much it will, is scheduled to take the stand on Wednesday. So they're the ones that I think... They're the ones that are so confused. You know what? Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing both of those. Well, it's midterm break here in Ireland. Uh, and yeah. a lot of people will understand Ivanka's argument for not having to testify, which is the undue hardship quote that this uh, testifying would bring on her because this is in the middle of a school week. Uh, I mean, so I, I can, think there's a lot of people that can relate to it, but the undue <laughs> hardship of it during a midterm, well, maybe she has a point because if somebody offered many of the parents listening, to this uh, a day off from midterm to go and testify in court many of them would take it like really this is clutching at straws Look, it's ridiculous that. because Ivanka Trump has been photographed at half a dozen different events in half a dozen different states in the last week or so she was at Kim Kardashian's whatever it was her 40s or 50s one of her parties anyway in in um Hollywood in Los Angeles about a week ago, and that clearly wasn't a hardship for her to fly out, mm. to, you know, from Florida. Kids were in the car doing their homework. It's, yeah, watching videos <laughs> in the car. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so it, it you know, and, and I think the pumps have heard of staff. I think they know the concept of staff who take care of the the boring yeah. details of their day-to-day -day lives and do the, you know, the picking up after the Trumps and their children sort of nonsense. So it, it's completely, it's absurd for her to, to even suggest that. But I think that there is a, you know, they're kind of, what I find the most troubling about this is obviously they're all, you know, what, what they're saying is, is entirely lacking in any kind of credibility and it's nonsense. And it's probably quite easy to establish, as indeed was done, as I said, by the appraisers from Kushner and Wakefield who said, we went to Eric Trump, we went to him, we gave him our figures, but he wanted loftier figures. But then I'm just going to say there, there was another line came up. Um, and I can't remember who said it, but it wasn't me, unfortunately. Uh, and they said that Donald Trump not turning up because he's been in this courtroom every day, remember, you know, scowling at the judge and coming out and doing his people's court impersonation, you know, and he hasn't turned up to see his sons testify on his behalf. And so it, it was mentioned that this is a bit like, you know, the Trump family equivalent of not turning up to see your children in the school play. You know, <laughs> this is my recital, Dad. This is my no, big yeah. day. <laughs> I've been working on this all year. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even turn up. You know, yeah, all jokes aside, Marine. The the simple fact here is they're being accused of being untruthful yeah. about their business yeah. and its value, and 
the more uh, inflated their language in relation to this, the the more it's more and more obvious it is that this is what they do. Uh, mm. Like in so many ways, this is such a fucking waste of time because it's yeah. so obvious. Like this is a man who has inflated the worth of his hair, yeah. uh, the, the height of it, just, the, the height of it, it, the amount of it. Indeed. Like, of course you inflated these things. Yeah. I mean, you also said that Mar-a-Lago was worth $1.5 billion yeah. at one point. Yeah. Like, like come, come on, on enough. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like, is there any sense like that when you say the headline acts are Trump and Ivanka in the coming week, that people will just lose interest because it's just so bloody obvious and now people just want a result? No, I think that they will want to hear. I think that, you know, the thing is, again, you have to remember that about 30 to 40 percent of Americans really do view this as the persecution of Donald Trump. They view it as just a way to try and stop him from becoming president again, to block him from running, to hobble him. And, you know, they really believe that from the bottom of their hearts. And and so this message has been hammered home daily by Trump, by his sons, by his lawyers, by everyone. It's just being hammered and hammered and hammered. And Trump is the master of that, that thing that if you say the same thing over and over and over again, Again, eventually people's resistance to it will break down. And, and that is what he has done with a lot of success over the years, it has to be said. So I think that it's interesting because I don't, Trump, you know, the consequences of the other cases, of the classified documents, of the case in Georgia, the criminal trial in Georgia, of the criminal trial in Washington, where the judge has already set the jury uh, dates uh, um, this week. Uh, you know, these are all coming down the pipe at a rapid clip, but it seems that Trump... This civil case, which really doesn't have any consequences for him, he's not going to go to jail over this. Yes, he's going to be fined. Yes, his credibility is shot, but it was shot anyway. Uh, but this is goes to the core of who the Trumps are, that they really feel that this is, if this myth is punctured, if, you know, the public sees they're just a bunch of grifters, you know, behind the bling and the gold-plated walls and the brass and the marble, they're just a bunch of grifters. And I think this, they are so desperate to protect the shreds of the reputation that they have left. And I think this is why they're all in on this case, where any lawyer would say, listen, forget New York, you're already found guilty, just cop it, you know, just write the check mm -hmm. and shut up. Um, but they have really gone all out on this case. And I think it gives an insight into their psychology, but also the way that they have treated the judge, the contempt that they have shown for the judge and his staff is to me, as I said, you know, and I've only been in the, the, the courtroom very briefly, but I've I've never, so I'm, I'm reporting on this, not from having seen this happen today, from having been not in the courtroom today, but, uh, you know, from the, the transcripts that I have, I've never come across anything like this. And I actually think these judges who are bending over backwards to be civil and courteous need to actually start treating the Trumps a little more like what they are, which is the defendant. You know, and, and it, yeah. it, it, gotcha. it's a, yeah. it's no, I think that too squishy mm -hmm. now at this stage, you know. Well, at the Dublin City Marathon on Sunday, 90%, uh, I'd say about 95% of the runners were wearing super shoes to make them faster. Turns out Ron DeSantis believes in super <laughs> shoes too. The man is five I, I knew foot I 11. <laughs> but his super shoes, he uh, turns him into a six foot three colossus. 
nobody really cares what time I ran in the marathon, Marion. But why do people care what height Ron DeSantis is? You know something? This story, I'm sorry, I'm a little obsessed with it as well because (laughs) I have a solution and I'm going to come up with it at the end of this segment. Ron DeSantis is no more five foot 11 than I am, for starters. And I am not five foot 11. So even that's exaggerated. I have stood right next to him on several occasions. And there's a weird thing with those cowboy boots of his. Yes, because he can't walk in them. He sort of limps and shuffles in them. You know, it's like he can't lift his feet off the ground in case his foot comes out of the lift and God knows what happens. So he has to kind of shuffle across stages in them. But I have stood next to him in Iowa and in a couple of other, where else? Um, An event in Las Vegas and in Los Angeles. And he is, you can tell by somebody's physique, by where their shoulders are, by their neck, by everything. He is probably, I'd say, somewhere between 5'7 and 5'9, if he is that. So these boots are not making him 6'3. Even with the four inch lifts, they're making him 5'11. Okay. With all that work, he's still not even cutting it. He's still not up there with the big boys. Now, it's such a weird thing because when you look, I have cowboy boots. So you know how cowboy boots wear. They don't go up like little elf shoes at the toe unless there's nothing there to keep them on the ground. You know, it's just, but (laughs) the story is comical because um, there's all the dreadful puns and how he's, you know, losing his footing in the election and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, can he run in them? (laughs) Yeah, and and Nikki Haley, yeah, who, who, as we've been saying for the last six or seven weeks, is running a stealth campaign that I think is determined to position her that, you know, on the off chance, on the off chance that something happened, Trump, that that golf ball in the head that half the Republican Party is fantasizing about actually happens, or the KFC-induced heart attack or whatever else, that she is the obvious successor. I was at the, the Jewish Coalition Conference, the summit last weekend. Every All the big donors there wanted Nikki Haley. They don't want DeSantis. They, you know, they don't care about him sending plane loads of stuff to Israel. They don't like him. And she is like, come in. But so she was asked about it. And she said, of course, you know, that if you can't run in, in high heels, then, you know, really you have no business wearing them. And she, let's see how can he run in them. So she was really gently mocking him. But to me, the irony of this, which I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up, is this is the man who outlawed High heels for men. <laughs> this is the man who went to war against yeah. transsexuals. Against yeah, men. this is this is also a man who doesn't like people identifying as things that he doesn't see them as. Yes. he's identifying as a six foot three man when yeah. he's not. Uh, when he so clearly isn't. But but as I said, the irony of he's the only man in Florida who's allowed to wear high heels. <laughs> nobody else, nobody else except Ron Boy. Uh, so of course he's been he's been called now in the Polaron and all kinds of things. Like everyone's having great fun with this, but it goes to his insecurity. And you know, if you ever look at his face, his resting face, apart from the fact that he looks like he has the world's worst toothache, he just looks unhappy and irascible and miserable. And you really get a sense this is not a man who's comfortable in his own skin mm, at mm. any level. And he was asked about it on a podcast. And the podcast guy, uh, whose name has now escaped me, it's a conservative podcast, like a friendly one, um, offered him a pair of Ferragamo shoes and said, look, here you go. Here's a pair of handmade normal shoes, you know, with no four-inch wedges shoved down the, the, the backs of them. And he, he just said, oh, I can't 
I can't take them. I can't take a gift. Like instead of, you know, anybody else might have made a joke or, or you know, he's just so awkward and humorless. Mm. And it does. And everybody, because you can tell the way that, and they, of course, they've brought in all these boot experts and cowboy boot experts. And, you know, yeah, I'm looking at the article here. I'll include it in the info. Three expert boot Every one of them have said, <laughs> no, nah, there isn't a cowboy yeah. boot in the world that but, makes you well, walk yeah, like that. Like, like yeah. you said. Nikki yeah. Haley's the real story here yeah. uh, in terms of this race, inverted commas. She's second in Iowa, yeah. second in New Hampshire and South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, she isn't remotely close to Donald Trump. Not even but, close. But to have overtaken DeSantis, given the buzz and the amount of headlines this guy gets us the amount is a pretty money. big accomplishment yeah uh, you know she has all we i think we spoke about her first in this podcast about three or four years ago when she was un secretary and she managed to slide out of that without falling out with donald trump she is a very savvy political operator i do not agree with any of her politics but even the way she has handled the abortion issue on this campaign trail has been by Republican standards, masterful, you know, and, and she's really managed to thread the needle on that. Now, she's a very shallow politician. If you look at her record back in South Carolina, people didn't rate her as governor there, although they will concede she did handle a couple of things well um, as governor. For example, the, the getting rid of the Confederate flag in South Carolina, that she did actually, she was pretty nimble when it came to that, and she is a nimble politician. So I, I think that she has, I always saw her as having a bigger future in Republican politics, uh, because you can just see it, you know, when you can just see it with a politician. And yeah. I remember us joking and saying that it wouldn't be the Republicans who'd have the first female president, it would be, I wouldn't be the Democrats, it would be the Republicans, and that would probably be Nikki Haley. And I don't don't, that ain't going to happen in this election cycle. Uh, but if Trump, as I said, if something happens to take Trump out of the running, she's the candidate and she could beat Joe Biden very easily. Wow. Uh, she's been something else in the debates. I know that you're not that impressed, but uh, is that at the center of this, that just the other end of the spectrum to DeSantis, she is comfortable with herself her Very. resting face is not somebody who's about to have a fit. Yeah. And she is brilliantly articulate uh, mm -hmm. with what it is she has to say. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, and again, when I was talking to some of the donors, I, we, we may have mentioned this last week, so I'll be very brief. Uh, the people who own the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas, which is obviously where the sphere is now in its backyard, and it's you know it's making even more money than usual, and it's about eight hundred dollars a night. The Venetian Hotel. The people who own that are a Jewish couple called Sheldon and Miriam Adelson. Now Sheldon Adelson died last year, but his widow Miriam is obviously a billionaire, many times over, very wealthy woman. In twenty twenty, the Adelsons gave Donald Trump one. 172.6 million dollars for his campaign that's from one couple one oh you know, and the the irony of course being that the limit for a donation is about seven and a half thousand dollars for individuals but when you go around the houses with the super packs and you put it into his you know save america campaign then you're not giving it directly to him it's like you're holding it it's like the father ted it's resting in a different account but yeah. of course he it can direct exactly what it's spent on and where it goes and who gets paid from it so this is the fiction that was created by citizens united that court case 
case back in 2011. So, uh, but basically the Adelsons this time around, well, Sheldon Adelson died in 21. uh, And Miriam Adelson, who was given the Congressional Medal of Freedom by Trump as a a thank you. Thank you for that check. It was the most expensive medal anyone ever got in their lives. $117 million worth of medal. But anyway, um, she now decided that she's sitting this out, that she's not giving Trump any money this time around. And, you know, so that to me is an illustration of how much the people who really were all in for Trump have now just pulled back. And in the last quarter, and this is bizarre, uh, the last quarter figures have just been published. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got more money than Joe Biden and Donald Trump combined. More funding in the last quarter. Now, that to me is really interesting, but Joe Biden did okay. Donald Trump made just 1.5 million. That is nothing. At this stage of the race, race wow. for this, um, you know, this marquee figure who has dominated Republican politics, it's nothing. It's it's literally a drop in the ocean. And I would say that. And again, there there are other um, like the 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 Republican Jewish Coalition is, as the name suggests, it's the bridge to the Republican Party. And only about twenty two percent of the Jewish vote in America is Republican. It goes to Republican candidates. But that's still about a million votes, give or take. Joe Biden got 77% of the vote in 2020. Trump, notwithstanding that he had moved the the um, embassy, the, the US embassy to, to Jerusalem at Sheldon Adelson's specific request, that was his ask for the 170 million or thereabouts, um, and that he did a number of other things that, that were very much supported by the conservative uh, right-wing Israel, um, Republican Jewish movement in the States. Uh, But by and large, the Jewish community in America, and there's only about 6 million of them, they are liberal, they are um, very pro-democratic, and they're very pro-liberal causes. It's, you know, it's amazing to me. And I think it's, it's a timely reminder, because I lived in New York for 10 years. New York, without the, the largesse and the support and the generosity of the Jewish community, would be just another city without character or excellence because they mm. the, the the funding that the Jewish community put into the arts, into the theatres, into the museums, into and then medical science, education, and also ran almost every social service centre in Manhattan and beyond. Uh, that that was for the benefit of homeless communities, for the benefit of abused women, for the benefit of drug addicts. You know, they were they, they that community is the lifeblood of New York. And and so that is a, really a democratic, that, that is a very liberal community. But notwithstanding, um, Trump and DeSantis and all these people go racing after the sort of 20, 22% of the Jewish vote, because again, the Jewish community does donate very generously wherever it donates. And it don- the Republican Jewish community donates extraordinarily generously to Republican candidates. The, the the Adelsons that I just mentioned, in the last eight years, they donated a half a billion dollars in total to Republican wow. candidates. And as I say, that's just one couple. You know, like Ron Lauder, who the, the heir to the Estee Lauder fortune, has also donated hundreds of millions of dollars. Like they are 
big, big donors. So um, DeSantis, before he went to Vegas last weekend in his high heels, <laughs> in a bid to get them on side, he paid for, he used um, Florida state money to fly planes to Israel with you know, equipment, medical equipment, um, flak jackets, helmets, that kind of thing. And the planes also took on board in what, I'm not sure how that works legally, but anyway, a lot of arms and munitions that were supplied by private dealers. So they were flown straight in and DeSantis was like, look, everybody else is talking, but here I am in my high heels doing, you know, and, and this is his mm. thing, that he's the can-do action man. So he yeah. didn't been, and then he also has banned all pro-Palestinian student groups from Florida's university campuses, which he cannot do. It's completely, it's a, it's a flagrant violation of the First Amendment but it's all about pandering and I think and so we've gone around the houses here but Nikki Haley etc but she hasn't done any of that she has been very clear and she's actually been pretty moderate on the whole thing compared to to a lot of the Republicans and it seems that again when you listen to her and you realize she is being political she is being nimble she is being slippery and I would say probably cynical as well but she does come across as somebody who's sane somebody who's sane that's all you know mm-hmm. she's a rational human being and and at this stage in the game you kind of think geez you'd take that you would take that yeah, we'd, we'd definitely take some sanity in yeah. Israel and Gaza this week yeah. and absolutely just heartbreaking week in yeah. terms of loss of life and devastation We're going to talk about that a bit more in the second half of the show. We're also going to talk about how Minnesota Supreme Court justices are now skeptical that states have the authority to block Donald Trump appearing on the ballot, suggesting that Congress is best positioned to decide whether his role in the 2021 Capitol attack should prevent him from running. Biden has also suggested that maybe Netanyahu's political days are numbered. That's another thing I'll want to talk to Marion about. And God, we've got to talk about George Santos as he lives to blag another day. All over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Come across there. I mentioned the marathon. If you have no interest in running or athletics, this was a calamity that I was involved in on Sunday. If you want to hear the documentary evidence of me tanking at kilometer 28 and somehow dragging my carcass across the line, it's a lot of fun. It's heartbreaking, but I got there in the end, and it's all available on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. And fair play to you, Jarlath. I got there. Not in high heels, though, I have no, to say. Not in, not in high heels, but the That'll super shoes didn't help. <laughs>